Welcome back to the show. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson. I'm Jody Vance sitting in this week. And with the confidence and supply agreement now in place between the federal liberals and NDP, all eyes laser focused on the coming budget, of course. How pharmacare might evolve and at what cost? Rough estimates peg it around $20 billion with a B, the evolution of pharmacare in our country. Well, we thought it would be a great idea to speak with somebody who's an expert on such things, someone who's really, you know what, literally got a book titled, quote, Navigating Canada's Healthcare, A User's Guide to the Canadian Healthcare System, principal at Grasso McCarthy, a healthcare strategy firm. Francesca Grasso is with us. Thanks so much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me, Jody. Can we expand on what pharmacare really what's what's the definition of it? Give us this most simplistic piece of what this headline grabber of a word brings to the table. <laughs> well, you've just opened a kettle of fish because that is part of the problem. It 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 doesn't really have a specific definition. It could mean many, many different things. And I think that while most people would agree that access to medication is extremely important, and it's just as important uh, as getting treatment from you know doctors and nurses, everyone should be able to have access to it, and it should be covered in some kind of plan. I don't think there are too many people that would disagree with that, at least not in Canada. The problem is how do you go about doing it, and what does it really mean? So consider this. In Canada, well over 50% of all Canadians have some kind of private drug plan. The vast majority of those people have a plan through their work, an employer plan, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is, is a plan, is a pharmacare plan going to take drugs away from people by forcing all of those people who have, by the way, really good employer drug plans, and providing them with a national drug plan that will not cover nearly what they're getting now. That's the question that that I don't think has been properly answered for Canadians, and that to me is the question that's going to really affect people. Because if you take a look, for example, in Ontario, you have a lot of kids that have drug coverage through their parents' plan, and that's the work plan. If those children were uh, to be repurposed to um, a, a pharmacare-type plan, what we would be doing is we would be putting $100 million onto the taxpayers that right now is being paid by corporations. So that's one problem. The problem is why are we, as taxpayers, going to be on the hook to pay for people who have already very good plans that are being paid for by employers? The second bigger issue to me is access to innovative drugs. The average uh, plan that is sponsored by a province, and let's take Ontario's plan, because Ontario has a really, really good drug plan of all the provinces. It covers approximately 4,500 drugs for seniors and for kids. If you consider that the average private drug plan that I, a small business, I offer to my employees here that I as a principal pay for out of my company, we're offering 
13 to 14,000 medications. So wow. think about the difference. So what are you getting on public plans right now is, well, you're getting a lot of good good medications, but you're getting a lot of the, the typical things, right? You're getting the antibiotics and you're getting some diabetes medications. You're not getting a lot of the innovative drugs. When they found a cure to hepatitis C, the first drug plans to make that available to people were private plans. And, and Fascinating. This, well, and it's because it's a negotiating uh, a chip with, with, with unions that do an amazing job at getting a lot of employers to offer better benefits. And mm-hmm. for me, as a small business, I don't deal with unions. We're too small to be unionized. But I can tell you this, I want my employees to to stay here. And I can't afford to pay huge, there's not a lot of upward mobility in my, my company, um, that is a way that I can make sure that they kind of go, wow, I've got a good drug plan here. I've got a good dental plan here. So that is the question, Jody, that people have to ask. It, it would, If we could get something, if they could get something in place that could cover the gaps, that could say, you know what, if you've got a really good employer plan, you're going to stay on that plan. But for people who don't, we're going to cover. And then guess what? we could afford to give them a better drug plan than we would have otherwise given them, I'd be all for that. I think that would be terrific. You've brought you've brought to the fore a lot to unpack here, and I'm so appreciative of your pers- perspective. I just want to remind our listener, we're speaking with Francesca Grosso, principal at Grosso McCarthy, a healthcare strategy firm. And you've also wrote, written a book on navigating Canada's healthcare system. So when you're laying it out so succinctly, I'm so very glad I asked that question that way, because it is Pandora's box. Many people see the word pharmacare and just think, okay, everything that I need, anything that my doctor prescribes for me will suddenly be paid for by the federal government. Provincial governments are saying, you know, we've wanted to have sort of a standardized pharmacare, as you mentioned, Ontario, very different to pick any other province next door or uh, across the Rockies. Very different coverage depending on what province you're in. And that's a very provincial government issue. If it goes federal, take some of the heat off the provincial governments and allows that sort of blanket to come out. But as you just mentioned, I mean, my first question that comes to mind, honestly, Francesca, is that option to stay with your private healthcare provider. Uh, you know, that that is a, a re- retention piece for employees, employees who have great coverage and, and great jobs, but great coverage that come with it that protects their family, you know, extended medical, dental, etc. I mean, those are, are, are ways of creating and, and, and making loyal employees. So is there is there some idea that this move to a national pharmacare system, this this proposal in the confidence and supply agreement that we've been hearing through the headlines, that that would then go away, that we wouldn't have the option of having that private? It would only yeah. be federal? You know, Jody, I wish I could I could give you a proper answer to that. I know what's the, the, the talks have been floating the idea of how to blow up private plans. Um, there has been a concerted effort to try to figure out uh, levers that you see, because the federal government doesn't have any legal authority to blow up 
private plants, right? They can't right. just right. decide that's it. But what they can do, for example, is they could say to employers, okay, your plan won't be tax deductible anymore. And then right. obviously you're an employer, you're going to go, well, gee, forget it then. You're going to have small Untenable. employers that are going to say, well, yeah. do I really want to cover my people if? But here's what's also going to happen. And this is the complexity that has never been unpacked for Canadians is what happens if they do blow up the private plans, however they manage to do that, and a person who had access to, you know, rare disease drugs and all of these innovative drugs is now stuck with an inferior version. Do you really believe that the provinces are not going to take the heat for that? Do you really think Mm. that people are not going to go to the provincial province and say, what the heck is going on here? You know, my kid has this and this a disease and, and, and he or she had this medication covered and now we don't and the feds have done this and what the heck and you, you're in charge of health care. You fix this. You get right. up the access. Of course. So this is not something that's clean. This is very ideological um, and I don't think that the, the amount of thinking that had to happen... I I want to repeat this because I don't want your listeners to think I'm against some kind of pharmacare that would enable those who have no coverage to have coverage. That's not accurate. I absolutely am. I don't think people should have to pay out of pocket for meds they need. That being said, you can't be blow. You can't take medications away from people either. And that's what I'm worried is going to happen here if it's not done properly. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not behind the closed door tables of the Liberals and the NDP, but I will say that everything that I'm hearing would indicate that they haven't figured this out, that they have not figured out what they will take away from people. And by the way, both of those both of those political parties tend to be very, very union friendly of all the parties. And I think unions will have a problem with this because a lot of unions have negotiated unbelievable packages for their employees. And those will right. go up in smoke. And and those are the unintended, perhaps, consequences of, of sort of the grandiose pharmacare announcement that you don't realize you push over one of those dominoes and there are a whole bunch of unintended ones that fall and, and do damage to people that had worked very hard to set up their situation yeah. uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. I get what you're saying. Cause no, I don't believe any Canadian would want for somebody living, let's say in an impoverished environment to not be able to access uh, the healthcare that they need. It costs everybody more when serious illness is allowed to spiral uh, in, in our medical system. Right. So I hear you. And I think it's really important, Francesca, to reiterate that this is about the due diligence needed to understand what we're all running towards because it sounds so great because we really need to understand the yeah. complexities of it. That's I what think if I just me. wrapped it up with a bow, I would say this. This this can't be about a race to mediocrity. To be able to say everybody is covered um, and end up with people who have had good coverage taken away this absolutely, there has to be a way for the public sector and the private sector to work together to ensure that the drug plans that are out there that are great can remain, and that we then have more money, more money to free up to actually make sure that people who aren't on those plans 
have comparable plans. That's what they have to be thinking about, and I don't think they are. I love that as a talking point that we need to hit on moving forward alongside standardizing what drugs are available and covered province to province. There are many pieces of this puzzle. I have a feeling we'll be speaking again, Francesca. Thank you for doing this. You bet. Take care. That's Francesca Grasso, principal at Grasso McCarthy, a healthcare strategy firm and also author of Navigating Canada's Healthcare User Guide to the Canadian Healthcare System. I think we all need to pick up a copy of that.